Hosea chapter 6 verse 1, and it reads as follows. Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days he will revive us, and the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know, if we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared for us as the morning. He shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew it goeth away. Therefore have I hewed them by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. For I desired mercy, and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But they, like men, have transgressed the covenant. There they have dealt treacherously against me. Gilead is a city of them that work iniquity and is polluted with blood. And as troops of robbers wait for a man, so the company of priests murder in the way of consent, for they commit lewdness. I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is whoredom in Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Oh, also, O Judah, he has set an harvest for thee when I have returned to the captivity of my people. Okay, let's pray before we look at these verses today. Dear God, thank you for the book of Hosea, giving us a chance to study it and to learn a little bit more about your word today. Please be with me as I try to speak your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Continue with our study of the book of Hosea today. If you remember, just to do the quick recap, we start, we start off the first three chapters with the, with the comparison of Hosea's own marital relationship to the relationship between God and Israel. The, how unfaithful Hosea's own wife was is comparable to how unfaithful Israel was. And so recently in chapters 4, 5, and now 6, we're gonna go, we've been going into detail of what God has been saying about Israel. Right? What has Israel done and what is he saying about them? Right? In chapter 4, if you recall, chapter 4 started off with the accusations, right? Really saying, this is what you guys have done. This is all the sin you guys have done. The killing, the stealing, the adultery, the, the whoredom to different uh, idols and gods. All these things laid out. You know, for the, for the people of Israel to hear that like, this is what you guys have done. The last times we've been looking at chapter 5, follow up on that. Chapter 5, after you have the accusations, we have the judgment, God's coming judgment, right? You guys have done all this stuff. You guys will not turn back to me. Guess what? There's going to be bad stuff coming down the pipe, right? First, we read last time about how God will uh, come at them like a moth, right? Like a moth, slowly eating away at them, trying to get them to turn back, turn back, turn back. We know from history it didn't work, right? It didn't work that, that there was a degradation of Israel, yet despite that, they didn't get the, the sign from God. They didn't turn back to God. Eventually, we read in chapter 5 that God came after them like a young lion. And we know how lions are, right? When they catch their prey, they rip them to shreds. And that was the judgment that came to Israel. The judgment as if it were a lion, ripping them up. And we know from history, that's what happened. That's what happened. The whole country of Israel was ripped up, taken over by outside powers. That was the warning that they got. They got the slow warnings. They got the big warning. Repent. Turn back to God. And that's been the whole theme of this book we've been studying, right? If you summed it up in one word, it would be repent. 
repent. Likewise, that same message is for us today, right? Sometimes in our lives, God's sending us the message. Maybe it's a small message, a little at a time, reminding us, hey, turn back to God, turn back to God, just like the moth, right? Other times, it gets to the point where we need the one like the young lion, where something catastrophic happens, and that's the wake-up call. Hey, turn back to God, turn back to God. That's that's why that's, it answers one of the age-old questions, right? Why does God sometimes let all these like, bad things happen to us? Sometimes it's a reminder. It is a reminder that we need to turn back to him, right? It, a reminder to evaluate your life. A reminder to make sure where you're going is the right way and not the wrong way. Are we doing it God's way? Doing it the way God wants it. So that's chapter 5. Chapter 5, again, God's judgment. So chapter 6 we're studying today, chapter 6 of Hosea, chapter 6 goes on to the next part. So we had again the accusation, the judgment, and now the solution or the redemption. We see in the first three verses, the first three verses of chapter 6, it says this, come and return us, come let us return to the Lord. This is the call back. You want to avoid the judgment? Come back to the Lord and he will heal us. Right? He will, he will bind us up. Right? And here we go in verse 2. Right? After two days he will revive us. And in the third day, in the third day, he will raise us up. In the third day he will raise us up. Right? Then shall we know. In verse 3. Then shall we know. Right? That the Lord going forth uh, is prepared in the morning and he shall come to us as the rain. As the rain. So, in this section over here, chapter 6, the call from Hosea is to come return to the Lord. Right? And it says this. We know the Lord is going to be with us. In the third day, he will raise us up. Now, the, 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 the inference here is obvious to us now, looking back at it thousands of years later. We know what that third day is about. It's talking about how we will all have redemption through Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ himself was raised up, right? And when he was raised from the dead, we were all also raised up, right? All of our sins were washed away. We had conquered that thanks to Jesus. So this is, the, this is another instance of prophecy, fulfilled prophecy, right? From these uh, prophets way back when, right? Hundreds of years before Jesus was in existence. God was already hinting at it, right? God was hinting at it. He was telling them, look, you guys are going to have a chance to have redemption, to turn back to again. What's that word? What's that theme? To repent, to repent. And you have Jesus. And once you have Jesus, once you have repentance, right? Repentance back then, Jesus now. Once you have that, God will be like what? God will be like a rain, right? The rain. That's how our relationship with God, our relationship with God will be like. That's like the rain. Rainy day, right? So you can go outside and see what the rain feels like and what the rain looks like. Here's the truth about the rain. Can you avoid the rain when it's raining? Can you avoid the rain when it's raining everywhere? Well, most of you do is stay inside, right? But when it's raining, it's raining everywhere around you, right? That's kind of how God's like, right? He's everywhere. He's all around. You know, you can try to hide from him, but the rain's still there. You can move to a different city. Guess what? Every city has rain, right? Sooner or later. Even in the desert, it rains eventually, right? 
God is like that, right? God's with us wherever we go, right? There's rain in New York, San Francisco, Chicago, LA. Rain's everywhere, anywhere you want to go, right? Even in Las Vegas, in the desert, once upon a time, once in a while, it does rain there. So God has his glory all around, follows us, just like the rain, if we would only turn to him. But what happened? What happened instead? Verse 4. And onward, it tells us the same story, right? Just to use one example, in verse 4, it says, Ephraim, what is Ephraim and Judah like, right? Their goodness is like what? It's like a morning cloud, a morning cloud. And as what? And as the early dew, the early dew, it goeth away, right? Now, you guys who have grown up around here in the Sunset District, you guys know what the weather patterns are like a lot of times, right? You hear it on the news all the time, right? When the, uh, when the weatherman comes on, right? It'll be what? Fog in the morning, sun in the afternoon, right? That's like the most common San Francisco forecast. So that's the way God kind of compared the two, right? That morning cloud, right? Cloudy in the morning, gone in an instant. That's the way Israel was like. So maybe they might turn to God for a second, but it's temporary. It's gone, right? Just like that morning cloud. That morning fog dissipates by noontime, right? By noontime, it could be sunshiny, right? Or like the morning dew, right? You guys, if you wake up in the morning, you look at your flowers or your plants, you see little droplets on your plants, but how fast do they evaporate? Well, as soon as the sun comes up, those little droplets, they evaporate in a second, right? They're just gone. And then by the time you look at in the afternoon, there's no dew on any of your plants or any of your flowers. That was the state that Israel was in, in terms of their relation with God. They couldn't last beyond just a few moments, right? Maybe they would turn to God for a few moments. It's gone in an instant, right? And we've been talking about that this whole time, right? And the rest of this chapter, again, talks more and more about their transgressions, right? You see verses 7 to 11, we won't go through in detail. Again, talking about how Israel is defiled, right? How Ephraim is subject to whoredoms, right? About how they work iniquity. All these kinds of continuing allegations of them turning away from God, turning to idols, turning to all these things that are not what God wants. So again, chapter 6 is the call back, right? We have the warning of judgment. This is the call back. And I think it's really interesting, especially in these first three verses, how God does call us back, how God does give us Jesus. And he gave those people back then Jesus too, right? It wasn't just, aha, you guys did the crime, you guys do the time, right? A lot of times, you guys, you know, a lot of times people only get one shot to do things, right? You get one shot. If you screw it up, it's over, right? That's the way it happens sometimes, right? That uh, you get one chance to do something. If it's wrong, if it's messed up, well, forget it. It's over. For example, you guys ever had like job interview, right? In job interview, a lot of times you only get one round, one shot to make a good impression, right? And if you screw it up, it's screwed up. Like one time, back when I was in law school, they were doing a recruiting, on-campus recruiting, right? They, the people from the law firms, they would come on to the school to interview you, right? And if you, get, if you get in good shape, they might offer you an internship or a long-term job or whatever, right? And, you know, you would wear your suit to school or whatever, and you'd get ready to interview during your, fair time, your breaks or, you know, before your classes or after your classes or whatever, right? And... Back then, I would ride the Muni to school. And one time, I had this interview. It was like early interview, like 9, 30, 9 a.m. or something like that, before my classes started, right? And so, you know, I go hop on the bus, 
in the morning to go to this interview, right? But as many of you guys who ride Muni know, sometimes you get into that the West Portal Tunnel over there, and then the whole thing stops moving, right? And so I was sitting there in the tunnel, and the time was clicking away, right? Tick, tick, tick. It was, you know, it was like 8.40, then 8.45, and then eventually it was still stuck in the tunnel, and it was like 9 o'clock already. It was 9 o'clock, and by the time I got to school, I think it was like 9.10, right? And I had, you know, 9 o'clock was like the first interview slot of the day, right? So you go in there, and I go into the little room where the people are waiting, and, you know, the two, two like, two, uh, two attorneys are sitting there just doing nothing, twiddling their thumbs, I guess, right? Because they're waiting around. I go in and say, oh, sorry, you know, there's like the Muni had a delay or whatever, right? And, uh, you know, you know, they were stuck, I was stuck in the tunnel for like half an hour and this and that and blah, 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 whatever you can say, right? And, you know, and of course they're nice and they smile and say, oh yeah, yeah, we understand, we've ridden the bus before too. But can you guess if I got that job or not, right? No, I did not get that job. You know, you missed, I mean, you know, the interview slot's only 20 minutes. I missed half the time stuck on the bus, right? So blew my chance, never got a job there, right? You can only get one shot one time sometimes, right? And then it's over, right? You get the punishment, there it is done, right? And I think a lot of times you think of our own criminal justice system, how much similar it is to that, right? About how a lot of times if you commit the crime, you basically screwed up your life, right? That's the way it works a lot of times, right? That if you did something wrong, you screwed up your whole life, right? For example, one of the, one of the, one of the sad cases I heard about this is a uh, as an example was uh, this uh, guy, he was uh, 19 years old, 19 years old, and he was dating some high school kid, like 15 or 16, and they had a relationship, and part of their relationship is they had a physical relationship, right? And they had sex and stuff, and as you know, California, they have a law, right, called statutory rape, meaning that adults, you cannot have sex with a minor, right? And if you're under, uh, you know, 18 years old, you're a minor, right? So what happened was, you know, he did this, right? And then uh, whatever happened, their relationship went sour. The relationship went sour. And so the girl called the police on him and said, oh, this guy raped me. You know, I was only 16 years old. He had sex with me. This guy is 19 years old. He's an adult. He raped me, right? And so the police came and they arrested him because it was true. No one could deny it. It was a fact. And uh, he got arrested, got sent to jail. And you know, in California, if you have sex crimes as a minor, what happens for the rest of your life? You have to register as a sex offender, right? So now this guy, he's got a criminal record. Wherever he goes, he's got to register as, as a sex offender. Well, basically his life is kind of ruined because look, how do you get a job around here? We well, got to apply for a job. What are the questions on a job application? We all know the questions, right? The questions are one of the no, number one questions they ask you on your, 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 little, your little form is, have you ever been convicted of a crime, right? And you know what happens when anyone clicks yes on that box. You imagine you're the interviewer or you're the hirer. You see the guy that checks yes. Oh, have you been convicted of a crime? You're never going to hire that guy, right? You're going to say, I've got like a stack of 100 other applications. These people have never been convicted of a crime. I don't want the guy that's been convicted of a crime to work for me, right? I don't want that guy, right? Or if you're renting out your, uh, your, your apartment to someone, right? I'm a landlord, I'm renting an apartment. I want a background check on you before I rent it out to you. I want to make sure I rent it out to a good person. Oh, I rent it out, did a background check on this guy. Guess what? He's got a criminal record. He's a registered sex offender. Oh my goodness, I'm never going to rent my apartment to this guy, right? That guy's life is ruined. 
right? Well, some people wonder, why are there so many repeat criminals? Why are there so many repeat criminals? People that got arrested once, they got released. Well, because they have a hard time doing this. Well, let's say you robbed the bank or robbed the convenience store, right? You go to jail for four years, you come out, same thing. You can't get an apartment, you can't get a job. So what can you do with your life? What skill do you have? You have no skill. My only skill is robbing liquor stores, right? So you go do it again, right? Because that's the only way you can get money. You can't get a job, right? You don't want to live. So you rob the store again, you get arrested again, right? And then you come out after another four years, right? And then what do you do? Now you look even worse. People do your background check. You've been arrested twice for robbing liquor stores. You've been arrested twice for dealing drugs, right? That's the only job you can get. I can be a drug dealer or whatever, right? Oh. You get caught again. Now it's three strikes and you're out, right? So you go to jail for the rest of your life. End of story. Sometimes the way the world works is that you only get one chance. And if you screw it up, you are screwed up. God's different. God says, oh, you screwed up. And this is big screw-ups. We saw in chapter 5, these were huge screw-ups. Screw-ups that got God super angry. So much so that they messed, they messed up their whole country. But even that, even that, God says, I give you a second chance. Let me call you back. Call them back even in Hosea's day. Even in Hosea's day. Call them back. He said, hey, you guys got a chance. Come back to me. Even after Hosea's day, right? On the third day when Jesus came. Still, Calling you back now. Here's Jesus calling you back. Repent. Follow Jesus. Even after Jesus was gone, he's in heaven today, right? God's still calling to us today. Come back. Repent. You got another chance. When God gives us Jesus, when we have Jesus, it's like getting the clean slate. Boy, how many criminals wished we had that, right? That we just wiped the slate clean. Your criminal record, gone forever, right? I bet tons of them would wish they could have that, right? We're like the criminal, right? We did the sin. We did the crime. But God says, you don't have to do the time, right? I'm going to wipe your slate clean. All those sins, they're not on your record anymore, right? Your record is clear. Go out and do good now, right? That's what God has given to us. And we know that. And how, how, how far does that extend? It extends indefinitely. How great is that? We know that even if we screw up again, he says, you know what? Oh, you screwed up again. I'm going to wipe your slate clean again. Oh, I did it 10 more times. You have Jesus. Jesus is going to come wipe your slate clean again. That's the beauty of Jesus, that we have him all the time as that guy that comes in and cleans up our record. It makes us look good and new as if we're ready, all clean, ready to go to heaven whenever that day is. That we are perfect and acceptable to God. That we don't get stuck with, oh, you did this sin, and that sin, and this sin, and that sin. Because that's what happens when we have a God that loves us, right? When you love someone, you know that's the way it works, right? You have that forgiveness. And how many times have I screwed up stuff at home, right? I didn't clean things up the right way. I didn't remember to, you know, to... Uh, to record the show for Elaine or something like that, or I didn't remember to, the one time like, I didn't remember to pick up Samantha from school or something like that, something really bad like that. And then Elaine can yell at me and say, you screwed up. 
But you know what? We have a loving relationship. She did not say, that's it. It's over. I'm out. You're so incompetent and such a failure. I'm leaving you finding someone better that doesn't do stuff like forget to pick up our daughter from school or something like that, right? You know, that doesn't do stuff like that. I said, she's, you know, we have a relationship where we go, oh, it's okay. There's forgiveness, right? We move on, right? And do better next time. And you know what? After that happens, what do I feel? I feel, I better do better next time. I better not ever forget to pick up Samantha from school again, right? Like, otherwise, I'll be in big trouble, right? All the time. So it sticks in your mind, right? You try to do better. And so that's the attitude we ought to have with God, right? I mean, in theory, you could say, oh, if God is wiping the sleep clean all the time, if Jesus is wiping the clean slate all the time, you could say, I can screw up as much as I want now, right? I can be as lazy as I want. I can do as much sin as I want. doesn't matter. Jesus will wipe the slate clean for me. And you know what? That's true. That is true. If you're saved, you have Jesus, you could screw up over and over again, and God will fix it for you. But just like I said, if you have a loving relationship with God, just like I have a loving relationship with my own family, right? Your, your motivation, your thought is, boy, you know, they gave me a pass that time. I really screwed up. I got a free pass. They forgave me. I better try not to do it again. That should be our attitude with God, too. He's wiped our slate clean. Do you want to keep on turning back to him and say, sorry, God, I did it again. Sorry, God, I did it again. Oh, you got to forgive me. No, you want to be like, oh, God. I screwed up that time. This time, I'm going to do better. I'm not going to want to screw up. I'm not going to come back to you and say, oh, God, forgive me again. I did the same sin again. I kept on falling the same trap again. That's the motivation we have to honor our God. That's the way we ought to treat our relationship with our God. He's given us something so great, something that's so rare Right? Not just a second chance, but a third chance, a fourth chance, a fifth chance, a sixth chance, a seventh chance, an on and on chance. Do you want to waste it? Do you want to screw it up? Hopefully not. So that's what I see from Hosea chapter 6 here. We're going to move on to chapter 7 next time. But right now, we've run out of time. So right now, we're going to end off with a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you for chapter 6 in Hosea. Uh, good turnaround from the past two chapters. The past two chapters of doom and gloom, right? All the sins of Israel. All the judgment coming to Israel. But here we have a little sliver of hope that you offer redemption to Israel. And we know that by extension, that redemption comes to us too. That on the third day, we'll all rise because Jesus rose, right? Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered sin. We all conquer sin. Conquered sin for Israel. And for us, too. We're so thankful that we have that God, that we have a God in Israel, God in the United States, God of the whole world that, that uh, is the God of salvation, the God of love. We thank you for this God, and we thank you for the Sunday that we have a chance to come out and worship you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.